Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. Hola, Mujerones. Welcome back to the Mujeron Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Like every week, we have a Mujeron that is going to be sharing a little bit more about herself, what she's doing. And today we have someone that has really stood up for us Latinas. We have Mariana Brazao. She actually is someone who was representing Latinas through an exhibition that she did at the National Women's History Museum. So it's huge. Her work is amazing. And she really did a very good job in representing all of us and letting us know a little bit more about the women who have contributed to our growth and contributed to how powerful we are as Latinas. So please help me welcome Mariana Brazao. Thank you, Mariana, so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> yes, you are super young, only 23 years old. You've already had your exhibition at the National Women's History Museum. And I love that you are Brazilian and Portuguese but you still have that Latina side to you and you've done a lot of work to represent us all. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work and your exhibition? Yeah, so um, I'll always say, so for me, I think I really identify with my Brazilian side. So, and that's kind of where I found my community um, at school, um, kind of kind of within my Latinas, they've always motivated me. But yeah, so I focus a lot more on the cultural and arts sort of side. Um, I'm really looking to increase representation for the whole Latino community, more through arts and culture. I kind of was inspired by my mom. She, we grew up, she was an artist. So I'm kind of toying with different ways that we can uncover our histories and have them be told. So this exhibition was just, you know, one of many of those steps in that process. And um, it was great during it, it was exhibit after we celebrated the centennial of women obtaining the right to vote and getting to kind of retell that story or amplify that story of these incredible Latinas that helped actually secure the right for a women's suffrage. Yeah, and we, we have a lot of artists on our platform that obviously are constantly wanting to showcase their work, specifically representing the Latino community. What was your journey like when having your exhibition and even getting to the point of having it at the National Women's History Museum? Yeah, so I was um, working there during a tenure. I was actually a public history um, research intern, and they kind of came up to me with this idea of, um, where they were partnering with Telemundo, um, and they really wanted to dedicate an exhibit just to Latina suffragists. And that's basically all I was given. And um, at the time, I'd been doing a lot of research in my own work, but also in a lot of organizations I'm involved with, with kind of promoting Latino representation in the political sphere. And so for me, the challenge is kind of deciding how to go about this exhibit. I mean, there's so much history there. There's so much you can do with it. We have the whole US, we have the whole, we have South America, we have Central America. And I think the biggest thing that I realized was that, you know, these things don't 
occur in a vacuum. So everything that was happening in the U.S. was tied to a pan-Hispanic movement as well and the strain of like feminism that was coming out of this pan-Hispanic movement. So for me, it was really kind of trying to understand how I'm going to craft this story, who I'm going to include and how I'm going to. So I tried to really include it all um, from east to west coast, north to south. Um, but there's definitely still more work to be done. So I'm excited that hopefully it'll inspire more people to kind of go and uncover these stories. Yes. And we have stories of women who, in my opinion, like it's not something that we're super exposed to these stories. What would you say was the story that inspired you the most? Um, I think it's the first one that I actually opened. I used that as a, the opening of the um, exhibition and kind of use it as a way to th- string along the themes throughout the exhibition. It's of a girl named Lucrecia Duval, and she grew up in California in this very rich California society. Um, Her parents um, were very, her father was involved in California politics, and she was actually descendants of the early settlers, um, Spanish, Mexican settlers into the California region. And so she gets involved, and she is doing theater. So she's in this mission play, which was a famous play of the time, and she's portraying Senora Yorba, and she's using elements and heirlooms from her family to kind of represent and make a statement about Spanish-Mexican belonging and citizenship and establishment of the state. So I think from an early on age, Lucrecia is just kind of experimenting in the ways of what political activism means. And she moves to New York when she's 18. And at the time, California had passed the right to vote in 1911, but New York had not. So she kind of sees herself become disenfranchised and that propels her then to move from theater performance to political activism. And I just thought it was a cool way that kind of expanded my notion of what it meant to be involved in the movement and what it meant to like advocate. And especially as such a young age, she became such an emblem of this fight. Wow, yeah, that sounds amazing. And it's so important to highlight stories of how we start with one passion, and then we just through that journey find our purpose. And that's something that we truly love to push here at Mujer On. Like sometimes you think, this is what I meant to do, you know, and and through that process, you just find that you have a purpose and that it's probably bigger than that. You researched several women and did you seem to find any like similarities anything that you saw especially I feel because a lot of the Latina movement and just the fight you know I think that there's a lot of similarities when it comes to like strength and all of that but I want you to let us know what is something that you saw yeah so I kind of pull these out because I was you know when you're dealing with so many different regions so many incredible Latinas I actually did find a lot of just common strands and I think that just speaks to a lot of the resilience of this community. And I kind of tried to highlight that. And one was this this fierce dedication to preserving their Latinidad, their heritage, their culture, their language. And they did that through this fight. So they used that as a way to yes, advance the vote, but also to confirm and to celebrate and embrace their heritage. Because this was happening during a time with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, where, you know, Mexican-American, Latino citizenships were under attack, their rights were under attack. So they're using this as a fight for, yes, the right to vote, but also to affirm their culture and their belonging in this country. And so I kind of saw that throughout the whole U.S. And then another thing is what, it wasn't just a fight for the right to vote for Latino women, it was also a fight for better human rights, better human conditions for their communities. So yes, they were trying to get the right to vote, but they're also advocating over class struggle, better working conditions. And it just kind of shows more of an embodiment rather than just this one passage of the right to vote. Yeah. And 
as you see all of the, the movements and the work that these women have done throughout the years, what do you think is still missing today or something that you would say for the activists or people who are really trying to push this idea and, and just in general, how we all deserve, you know, the right to just have a fulfilling life, right? And a lot of these communities, that's ultimately what they're looking for, equality in, in all aspects. What would you say is missing? Yeah, so I think a lot still is, but um, I'm a firm believer in representation. Um, and I think, you know, I even try to embody that in the title. Um, and I just think we need to have people in these places advocating, and we also need to tell these stories. So even as I was researching, you know, the lack of kind of centralized information about all this was really missing. I had to go to about a million sources and pick and pull. And so it's getting these stories out there, amplifying them, and then having people in certain positions that are advocating for these stories to be told and for this work to be done. So it definitely won't be a quick sort of solution, but it's it's a tedious process. It's tedious work, um, but it's 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 important. And I think through that, we can, you know, sort of make those strides that our community needs. So it was very difficult for you to just kind of come upon this information. And it was sort of having to do a lot of that research. What did you find through that process? Like, how, how are you able to come to this information? Yeah, so there are some incredible scholars, don't get me wrong, doing work on this. Um, and Kathleen Cahill actually was our exhibit advisor and was key and directed me to, me to the right resources. Um, but I think not have if I didn't have that someone sort of guiding me to specific scholars in the area, it would have been a little tougher just through a Google search because you have stories in New Mexico. There's a great um, PBS podcast about New Mexico and the right to vote. You know, you have stories in California on the East Coast. So just picking like going to little resources here and there. And I think my biggest goal with this was was to create that centralized story. So then when people see it, they can be like, huh, this is more of a more complete story rather than just one-off situations. And so I hope that when people see that, that urges them then to like discover more. There's um, a great encyclopedia um, edited by Vicky Huiz. It's called Latinas in the US. And so that was a huge resource for me. And that kind of touched on all of the US, um, but having a specific within this context was really tough to kind of pull it all together. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like there's a lot of work being done, like you said, in Arizona, where uh, I lived for most of my life. There's a lot of movements regarding undocumented uh, Latinos and all of that. So I feel like we are still, like you said, missing like those stories of people who before us have done this work and maybe we can learn so much from them, right? What would you say would be something that the people that are doing work right now can learn from people that you research in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think lessons get learned. Um, so just kind of following these routes, I, I think that just in having these histories, it adds another level of inspiration and guidance to our work so that it doesn't feel like it's just one person kind of, you know, motivating to do all this, but there are people who came before us who are leading the paths, you know, everything, every little effort, every little step, you know, causes some sort of change. So in recounting these histories, I think for me, it left me really inspired and kind of just really that sense of belonging to within the system and how my role within the system could be. Yeah, and I think that's super important, bringing those stories out. Maybe one day we can 
come together and have like this big exhibition <laughs> as well to continue pushing those stories. After learning about all these incredible women, what do you think is like the main piece of advice that you took? Because obviously there's these just this resiliency and these these incredible women who will continue to push, continue to persevere. What is something that you took from these stories that you would like to share to other Latina women? Yeah, I think for me, it was just kind of the breadth of what it means to be involved, you know, oftentimes certain portrayals or narratives of, you know, what it means to be involved in advocating for a community um, are kind of portrayed, but there's so many different ways to be and each kind of way matters. So for me, you know, I found it within arts and culture and that's kind of been my sphere, but there's so many different ways. And I think that the testament of the work of these Latinas represented in the exhibition kind of make a huge statement and testify to that. Yes, and any advice for people that might be working on their own exhibitions, they wanna kind of get the, the word out there about their work, uh, something that you can give advice when they're working through this process? Yeah, reach out to as many people as you can. Um, if you see scholars doing work, reach out to them, schedule talks, um, try to get as many perspectives as you can. There's a lot out there, um, but there's also a lot that you'll learn from talking to people. So it might be overwhelming at times and it might seem like it's gonna be too much, but you know, you gotta just, it's gonna be tedious work, but just feel free to reach out, find resources that are there and keep amplifying the work that has been done in the work that you're doing. Perfect, anything you're working on right now that we should stay tuned for? Yeah, so I'm actually um, working on a new exhibition. It'll go live in June, and it's focused on Brazilian indigenous art, actually. Um, there's a common indigenous art, um, it's their wooden benches, and they're made by incredible indigenous artists in Brazil. And so this is kind of part of that larger goal of trying to amplify different portions of Latinx perspectives and indigenous perspectives specifically. So that's actually going to be at my alma mater, University of Virginia's Freeland Museum of Art. And it'll be a virtual exhibition just dedicated to indigenous wooden benches and hoping to amplify these incredible artists' work and voices. And yeah, it'll be online in June. Awesome. We'll definitely put all your information on the show notes so people can keep up with your work. And I like to say that every time we have a guest, they kind of become like our Mujeron mentors. So if there's anybody out there wanting more information on how they can to follow steps like Mariana has done, definitely I'm sure you would be happy to chat with them and give them any advice as well. I think mentorship is one of the biggest things I push through this platform, connecting people with the people that can potentially take them a little further, right? Mariana, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and for the work that you're doing. Honestly, it's truly amazing to see such young individuals and Latinos going after topics that are so needed in our community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, of course, feel free to reach out. I know sometimes we can get discouraged, but I'm here to mentor, here to help however I can. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. Thank you so much, ladies. There you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We will talk to you guys next week. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode 
or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.